Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I just didn't know if the rapture was here or I just too bright. I don't know. <laughs> Look up and there's all the all the light. Oh, this morning <clears throat> I want to talk to you a little bit about learning to walk with the Lord a little bit. Let's pray real fast. Father, we just love you so much, Lord. What an opportunity we have to share your word one with another, Lord. Uh, we pray for those in the countries that can't share your word like we do, uh, Father, uh, don't have a chance to pray and to worship you like we do. I just thank you for this congregation so much, Lord, the loving hearts that we have in this church, one for another. Father, I ask your anointing this morning. I ask you to open our ears to hear your word. Spirit, speak to us. We just give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, learning to walk with the Lord takes time and effort. When you're born, you don't just begin walking. No, you start off getting fed with milk. You know, when you're born, you're just a little infant. You can't get anything done whatsoever. You can't even roll over on your own. You get fed little bit by little bit. Finally, you get a chance to crawl. And I don't know, I had four boys, so watching them crawl, at first you sit there and you, you look at them, you're all excited to get them to crawl a little bit. Then they, they get up by something, stand up, and their little wobbly legs are just shaking like that, you know. And they Finally, they get to where they can take steps. They take baby steps, not big steps, you know, one step at a time. And it's kind of like that with with uh, being born again, you know. We're born again, we're born spiritually, we've got to learn to walk. And uh, you take the, take the kid that learns how to walk, he finally gets himself walking, you know. And finally, then you got to watch out for the coffee table. You got to watch out for everything else around the place because they start destroying everything that they get by. You know, you got stuff there, it's all sitting around here. Next week it's sitting up here. A couple months down the road it's sitting up here. Pretty soon you got it up here, then you're hiding your keys. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it's the same way when we're born again. We need to start off uh, feeding on the Word of God. We need to get God's Word in our heart. We need to crawl before we walk. We need to walk before we run. <clears throat> Some people just want to take off running. We need to grow spiritually. We need to spend a lot of time in the Word and in fellowship. You know, it's, uh, it's a needy thing to be in fellowship. It's, uh, the Lord created it this way, that we could, we could uh, fellowship one with another, that we could live off each other's experiences, that we could encourage one another, that we could pray for one another, that we could hold each other up when times are tough, laugh with one another when things are funny. Then we can start running. I was thinking today of my shoes. I got a new pair of shoes. What happened when you asked your kids? You said, oh, you've got a pair of shoes. And they said, yeah, Grandpa, watch this. Watch me run. Did it take off like that? <laughs> Just to run in them like, oh, you are fast, man. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's the way we get with the word. 
You know, sometimes we take off a little bit too fast. Sometimes we need to spend some more time in prayer, some more time in worship. Need to get out there in, in fellowship with one another. Um, we don't want to take on a job when we're, when we're so little that there's no way that we can accomplish it. And you Christians that have been uh, Christians for a long time, you know, it's up to us to help the new Christians with their daily walk. Help them, help them, help feed them, help them understand. Give them place, you know, as you, as you learn, you get a, first you get to do a little bit of things, then you get to do a bigger thing, then you get to do a great big thing. And it's that way in the Word. <clears throat> so, uh, we need to learn to walk and to walk steadily. And uh, part of this learning to live a life uh, is living a life worthy of the calling of God. Worthy of the calling of God. We need to understand that God loves us and he wants us to obey his commandments and walk worthily. That's why his commandments are here, that we can obey them. He gives us how to walk. He tells us how to do it if we learn. So we need to understand this. Let's look at Ephesians 4, chapter 1. Ephesians 4, chapter 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. See, Paul, he was a prisoner at the time when he wrote this. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, or urge, it says in the NIV to urge you, urge you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So let's look that, break that down a little bit. He says, I, I therefore, because of all this great doctrine, because of my prayers for you in chapters 1 to 3, consider it worth being a prisoner in connection with the Lord, in regards to the Lord, in the service of the Lord. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you or beseech you. He urges us to be totally changed, to walk in our daily life, in everything we do, in a manner worthy of the calling, worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Worthy, to walk worthy. We need to understand the worthiness and the worthfulness of this magnificent calling. The honor of God, the honor of the calling, wherewith you are called, having Christ as our calling. Christ is our calling. This is what he's talking about here. If we understand that, if we treasure these things, if we embrace these things, we can understand the importance of these things. For they really are, and they, we should be able to walk worthily of them. So what does it mean to walk worthy? What does that mean? Does it mean to live, to witness to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors in a manner worthy of our calling? Now, does this mean that we're deserving? Or does it mean that we finally become 
worth the calling? Or does it mean that this calling is so great, so glorious, so perfect, that it deserves a certain lifestyle from us? A lifestyle centered around and for this magnificent calling. Not that any of us deserve this calling, but that the calling demands a measure of excellence from us. That's what the Lord wants from us. He wants, he wants to encourage us. You know, just as you have your kids and you, you tell them to do something and you want to kind of watch that they make sure that they do it right. They, you want them to do it the way that you've told them to do it. Because you know, if they don't do it the way that you tell them to, they're going to fall. They're going to end up messing it up, doing, doing wrong and hurting their knees or banging their head. So we want to, we want to work to not work, but to walk worthy of the calling. <clears throat> it says here in Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I always, always try to express this part. Whenever I witness to anybody that it is the gift of God. This is the gift. This is the gift that God has given us. God loved us so very much that he gave his only begotten son. Now, this gift, it's not something that we earn. It says here, for grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So not of works that we should boast. There's some religions that think that they can earn their way to God. You know, that they do enough. Maybe they could... Uh, Maybe they could be the, the best guy in the whole town and that God's looking down and going, whoo, that's the best dude in the whole town. Let's have him up here with us. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not what God's telling us. He's telling us that grace are we saved through faith, by his grace, by his love, by his mercy. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. And that we should, then God says, hath before ordained, this is ordained, that we should walk in them. For grace you are saved through faith. Faith in what? Well, it's faith in the fact that Jesus was sent from God, born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life, that he's 100% God and 100% man, that he was falsely accused, falsely convicted, that he was hung on a cross where his death is sufficient to provide salvation for all who receive him as Savior. That's our justification. And that justification is grounded in the shedding of his blood. That he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. 
that he is even at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Our Lord loves us so much. He made a way for us to come to him. He made a way for us to give our prayers to him, to ask forgiveness. He made a way, and his way is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He made a way that if we'd come, we'd ask through Jesus Christ. That's how we get our prayers to the Father. It's Jesus Christ. And then it says, that not of yourselves, that it's a gift of God, not works. This is something you can't earn. We can't ever get that out enough to, to let anybody know that this isn't something you earn. This is such a gift. This is such a glorious gift. We can't earn it. Even though, even though you think that we should try to earn it, we don't. What he wants us to do is to walk worthy of the calling, to obey the commandments. Then he says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You see, we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Not that we did good works and earned Christ Jesus because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. Yeah, me too. Guys, that's hard to believe, but yep. But now we're created in Christ Jesus. God hath before ordained that we should walk worthily. He has ordained this. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Look again at Ephesians 4, verse 1, where he says, I beseech you, or urge you, to walk worthily. It's not that we have or ever could do enough works to obtain salvation, but this calling of God is so glorious, such an honor that we should be thankful and so full of love for the Lord that we want more than anything to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which we've been called. This love, this, this love that we should have for the Father, because I am so thankful, I love Jesus so very much, that he made a way for me to get out of sin. He made a way for me to be saved. He made a way for me to come into the kingdom of God. He made a way for us to all be joined together in Christ. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so, I'm so full of love. For the Father, I'm so full of love. And this is that, that love that we have is, is what makes this worth walking worthy for. Because, you know, just as your kids, they want to do what you want them to do so you can please them. You know, they love you. They want, they want to please. We, in the same way, should be the same way in Philip, Philippians 1.27 it says here whatever happens conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so whether you're
going fishing with the guys, or you're out shopping with the gals, or you're at work, conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of this calling. Always think of that. Always think, is this, is this the way that Jesus would have me to act? Is this the way that I should be conducting myself, representing each and every one of you? Because this is what this is. This is representing the kingdom of God. We represent Christ in our lives. When we got born again, you notice that people kind of backed off from you, and they all of a sudden now you become somebody that they talk about, you know. I've got friends that talk about me, about, about the way that I've become. I think it's the best thing. They think that I'm trying to put on an act, but it's not. This is the, this is the way that Christ works in our hearts. He works so steadily. It's like we have to walk steadily. He works so steadily in our hearts to, to make us the man or woman that he wants us to be. Yes, the Lord loves you very much, and he wants a personal relationship with each one of us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Law, the law of Christ is love, and love is the law of Christ's kingdom. The lesson of his school, the body of Christ, his family. This is the means of unity, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Loneliness means to understand humility. It's the honest recognition of our own worth as God sees us. It's a delicate balance between humbly recognizing our sin, yet knowing how much God loves and values us. You know, I never really knew how much my dad loved me till I was about 21 years old. I mean, I, I knew that he loved me, but he wasn't the type of guy to say, I love you. That's not the way I was brought up. My dad would shake my hand. He never hugged me. He didn't, he didn't give me hugs. He didn't, this was, he would say, uh, get over here, Dougie. You know, you did a good job. Whack. Good. <laughs> a good, a good pat, you know. Good and hard and solid. He didn't want to express love by telling me that he loved me. As it, about 21 years old and it was tax return time. And I got my taxes back, yahoo, you know, all this money. And my, my friend, my roommate, we lived in a band house. We had a great big old green band house. And uh, there was 11 of us that lived there in this band house. Our roadies, the band members, everybody lived in this house. And, uh, you know, the rent was only 90 bucks and we couldn't hardly make the rent. <laughs> Between 11 of us. But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in. 
What a, what a bunch of hoodlums. Anyway, anyway, we decided to go check out this band up in Pocatello, you know. I, I told my friend Arlen, I says, let's go check out this band. So anyway, he's like, well, I don't have any clean clothes. I said, well, I just did my laundry. I got clean clothes. He was the same size as me, kind of looked like me. Poor kid. Anyway, kind of looked like me, and he, he, he had the same built and everything. And uh, I said, well, I got some clothes. So I give him my shoes, and I had these big shoes like Kiss wears, you know, the platform boots? Well, they were school shoes. So anyway, he borrowed my shoes. He borrowed my pants. He borrowed my shirt. And my pants that I was wearing, they were the old Angel Flight pants, the tight, the tight, silky pants. Boy, what a looker. Anyway, these silky pants, and I didn't want to put this, this ID where it was going to make a little bump in my pants, you know. So I said, Arlen, will you take my ID? He said, sure, I'll carry your ID. So he took my ID, we jumped in the car, we took his car, because he had a nice car, mine wasn't too nice, so we took his car, off to Pocatello we go. We saw this band, really enjoyed it, and we got done with it. We walked outside, got in the car. He goes to take off, he drives right up, boom! Hits one of them parking meters, you know? <laughs> We're like, oh, Marlon, you can't drive, man. You can't. Let's go over to our friend's house. We went over to a friend's house. We wobbled through the streets and got over to the friend's house and decided to spend the night there. Well, he got on the couch, and I went back into the bedroom in a nice soft bed, and he's on the couch. And anyway, time goes on, I fell asleep and stuff, and I wake up about three o'clock to this boom, boom, boom. Big old hard knock on the door. And I'm like, open my eyes, wonder who's coming at three o'clock in the morning, realizing that I'm in someone else's place. And uh, all of a sudden I, I hear my dad's voice out in the front room. And he's like telling my buddy, telling him, you better sit down. I got some bad news. So anyway, he says, I just came from the morgue and Dougie was killed in a car accident. And I heard that. I'm back in the other room and I heard, I've been killed in a car accident. <laughs> and I come walking out and I saw my dad. And I saw the look in his face, man. And he's like, turned like white. And he just, you could see the astonishment. What an astonished look he had on his face. Because the, the police, the state police had called him. And they said, we have your son down here in the morgue. We need you to come and identify him. And he went down there. And he got to the place and he's identifying me. And he called up mom. And he says, he, mom says, well, what kind of pants does he got on? Well, he told him what kind of pants he had on. Those are Dougie's pants. He says, what kind of shoes? Big old platform shoes. Those are Dougie's shoes. You know, what kind of shirts he wearing? What kind of shirts he wearing? Told him my shirt. And sure enough, that's the shirt she just washed that week. Yep, that's the shirt, you know. So he just, uh, she just was, she was, so worried, you know, and so thought that there's his, there's her boy killed. She called all the family in. The whole family came over to mourn. And he, then he came over 
and he knocks and he had that look on his face and he looks at me like, oh, and he come racing across the front room and he grabbed me up and he held me and he's bawling. I mean, tears are coming out of his eyes and he says, oh, Dougie, says, I just love you so much. And he just grabbed me and he held me and the tears are dripping down off his face. And I'm like, what's going on? And he says, well, we got this call that you've been in a car accident. And so anyway, he says, we got to go down there. So we went down to identify the body. And uh, sure enough, there was my friend. I didn't notice him leave. Uh, he was supposed to have been sleeping, sleeping on the couch, and I didn't notice him leave. But anyway, it was after that that my dad changed his ways in talking to me. Ever since that day, my dad wouldn't miss a chance to say, well, I love you, Doug. I love you. He'd make sure that he'd tell me that, and I'd tell him. And it changed our relationship. You know, to experience love, you need to love. You need to give your love to the Lord as well as him giving it to you. You need to experience that. So, Time went on, and uh, Dad and I became close. We became so very close. And I thought I'd tell you this story uh, just to understand the love of a father. My dad showed me so much love with the tears that it was overwhelming to me. That's how our Heavenly Father loves us. He'd leave the 99 just to bring you to himself. He makes a big fuss over his prodigal son. He wants us all to come to the kingdom of God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments. He wants us to humble ourselves under his mighty hand. Proverbs 22, 4 says, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Humility is opposed to self-pride. Meekness is that character of our soul which makes us unwilling to provoke others and not easily to be provoked or offended with their infirmities. You know, it's pretty easy to get offended with somebody but the Lord has told us, when you bring your gift to the altar, if you've offended somebody, if you have unforgiveness in your heart for someone, he says, leave your gift. Go to that person. Go to that person. Reconcile. Get this fixed up. Get the, forgive one another. And that's the way we need to be. <clears throat> Remember, this is a family. This is our body of Christ. Each one of you are connected. We're all connected through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God. We, as a family, need to do just like my dad did, and that's say, I love you. You know, it doesn't hurt you to say, I love you. And you actually, you do. I, I watch this family. We've got the best church family out of any church that I've been in. This is the place to be, I'm telling you. I've never never been around such loving, caring people. Yes. 
Submissive, a person who gives in easily to others. Meekness is that character of our soul which makes us unwilling to provoke others and not easily provoked. It's a person who gives submissively, sharing, patient, humble, and gentle. Long-suffering is patience in bearing the injuries without seeking revenge. Humility and meekness restore the peace and keep it. Only by pride comes contention. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. When you understand humility and God's love and act in a manner, then as time goes by, God will exalt you. You know, my dad told me he loved me. I saw the look on his face. And we became so close. And the Lord wants us to know that he loves us. And that we are all part of the kingdom of God. And that we are all part of the body of Christ. That we are his kingdom family. John 17, 21 says this. Now, John 17, this is the prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father on behalf of the, the disciples. So in, in the 21st verse, he's talking about us here. He's talking about the disciples of Christ. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, excuse me. I'm on the wrong. It says here that they all may become one as we are one. Sorry, I've read the wrong place. Father art in me and I in thee. Now get this part of it. It says that they also may be one in us that they would, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. One in what I have. One in God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Wow. We become one with God through Jesus Christ. We are his kingdom family. In Romans 12.1, he says, I beseech you there, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he urges us there by the mercies of God to prevent, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy, and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, he says. This is our reasonable service. He doesn't ask us to do things that are unreasonable, does he? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. In Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So I got like four points here to look at. And I said, number one is, is walk 
worthy of the calling of Christ. Christ is our calling. He's worthy of our obedience. He's worthy of our love. And number two, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humility is opposed to self-pride and produces meekness, which is the character of our soul, which makes us unwilling to provoke others, not easily provoked or offended. And number three, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. He wants us to lay our life down for the Lord. He wants us to lay our life down in service for others. You notice that Jesus came not having a, a crown on his head, not being, being put up as the king, but he came as a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. He was a servant. He wants us to follow that example and be servant to others. Number four, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. That's, that's one that uh, you gotta, you got to keep in mind. Don't think just because you're doing such and such that you should be doing or looked at in a way that people exalt you instead of exalting the Father. All this is what the Holy Spirit means in our reasonable service. His love for us deserves worthy, reasonable service. Could I get the, the uh, worship team to come up? Hebrews 6.10, he says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, be, be encouraged, knowing that God will never forget the things that you do for others. The things that you do in his name. In that you've ministered to the saints and that you do minister. Be encouraged, knowing that God will never forget the things you do for others, the love that you show. In Colossians 3.23, I'm going to read this real quick. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not as human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. I'm going to have these guys play this song. 